So I grabbed a colleague of mine, Mike, as we were just leaving the trading room, uh, the plane hit our building. The wing, it went in on an angle from 78 to 85. And the- uh, You're on 84. Yes, so the wing sliced right through the trading room. If I can get out there and tell the story to people and show them that yes, there's going to be challenges along the way, but you're going to get through it. And we will, like, especially during this unprecedented time, then that's the growth. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins, and this is What's Right Within. Before we do get into it, just a quick word of caution. Due to the traumatic nature of the events described in this episode, some content may be distressing or triggering for some listeners. Today we are interviewing a man by the name of Ron DeFrancesco. Ron is known as the last survivor of the 9-11 terrorist attack. And that means he was the last person who got out of the building alive and you'll hear some of his experience of of how that happened and a little backstory about Ron. I first met Ron in 2016 when I was at the Canadian Positive Psychology Conference. I was over there presenting my research on elite athlete well-being and performance and this man at the conference found out that I had never been to the Niagara Falls and (laughs) and he also found out that my wife Hannah was in the hotel with us and I had just left her in her room (laughs) not up to much at the conference and Ron speaking of the man he is he wasn't okay with that he's like you haven't been to the Niagara Falls you've you're we're in Niagara like you need to go to the Niagara Falls and so he arranged to drive us 30 minutes down the road to see the Niagara Falls and on this car ride we kind of started hearing a little bit about who he was and he sat for an hour while we looked around to the tourist thing and working on his speech for the conference and the following day he delivered the speech and I've never experienced emotion in a room like that his story just broke everyone in the room and at the same time it it was like you you got hit in the face with perspective like you just thought i will not view life the same after having heard this and G. Ron shares some gold in terms of perspective on life and and how we can be grateful every day mm. and find real meaning and what's really important in life. And yeah, I mean, <sighs> I'm so humbled that he's said yes to coming yeah. on the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to to hearing his story. And let's get into it. Okay, Ron. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to take up so much of your time getting the technology set up. But, That's um, okay. Well, nice to Ron, meet you, Alex. How are you? I'm good. Hello. Thanks. How is everybody there? We're good. Thank you. We're good. We are good. We're excited to uh, to have you on the show. Thank you. 
And Ron, you are calling in from Toronto today. What's it like there for you at the moment? It's actually getting to be spring nice now. It's about 18 degrees, so that's quite nice. And it's a little bit different now with COVID, just getting outside and um, trying to not social distance, but physically distance from people. So it's a little bit different, but all is good, right? We're fortunate. Ron, obviously it's unprecedented times in the world right now, everywhere. And, you know, when we started this podcast, one of the first people we thought would love to have on the show is yourself, because I'm familiar with some of your story and some of the experiences that you've encountered and how you've grown through those. And I just think you bring such a perspective um, to people and, and particularly in times of, of challenge like now and Eloise, you yeah. haven't. I haven't heard your story run and <laughs> I have heard little bits from Rory and, but we are so excited um, to hear from you and to hear, um, you know, the journey that you've been on and to glean some wisdom from you. And yeah, so Ron, tell us, tell us about what life was like for you on September 10, 2001. So, um, wow. Wisdom from me. I think that's a bit of a stretch folks, but we'll go (laughs) with that. Um, uh, September 10th, uh, things were great. Um, I'm a Canadian and I was working down in New York in the world trade center. We lived out in New Jersey. So it was, uh, it was a bit of a journey into the city to get into the world trade, but it was, Great. It was, you know, up at five o'clock in the morning and to catch the 542 train and head into the city. Um, it's, it's a beautiful area close to the city in New Jersey. Well, lots of trees and farms and deers, deer and stuff, but um, it's great. And then the, I, I loved working in the World Trade Center. It was a very fast paced environment. I was a money broker. I used to trade in your U.S. dollar and European currency. I um, really enjoyed doing that. And there was a lot of banter. So I worked in an office of over 350 people Mm. yelling and screaming and watching the world markets right up to the next second, right? So it was great. It was quite enjoyable, fun, lots of bantering, lots of camaraderie amongst people. And... um, yeah, I loved working there. And then September 11th happened. So mm. it changed everything for us. Um, my wife and kids, I have four kids, four young kids, and they were, well, they're not young now. They're your age, but um, <laughs> they, <laughs> uh, not that you're old folks, but um, they, <laughs> uh, they loved being in New Jersey as well. We just, we really took to it and did lots on weekends and lots of hiking, Mm. biking and doing all kinds of sports and just touring around through New Jersey. And so Ron, obviously it's one of those moments in history where everyone remembers where they, where they were. And I, I certainly remember I was, I was actually at primary school. Um, but, um, it's, you know, we all remember where we were on September the 11th, but you were, you know, you were there, you were working in the World Trade Center. Can you help us and our audience to understand? I'm sure we'll never fully understand, but what, what happened that day and, and what's been your, your journey or your experience, you know, from there? You know, I arrived at the office probably about 6.45 in the morning. 
and you know rushed to my desk it was i was on the 84th floor so um in order to get there we would have to i'd take the path train from the hudson river in new jersey and take it right into the world trade center and from there we'd take these long escalators and then get up into the world trade center uh, when we got to the world trade center we'd have to take two sets of elevators we would take an express elevator from zero to 78 and then we'd switch over and then take localized elevators to get to the mm. 84th floor and when i arrived at 6 45 that morning uh, the trading room was already alive with activity so there were lots of people in there already we had people working from five in the morning and trying to understand what was happening in the australian markets what happened in the japanese markets and what the day was like going into london into the uk and the european markets so it was already buzzing with activity so i got into my desk and um, I was sitting there and, you know, bantering with my colleagues and talking to my accounts. We had these sophisticated telephone systems that we could connect directly to somebody just by pushing a button. It was sort of like a bat phone, if you know what a bat phone is. Just so I was conversing with all my colleagues and clients and then all of a sudden back to the right, I guess about, you know, 8.30, there was a loud explosion, and we looked to the right and saw this big fireball sucking in on itself. And then mm -hmm. looked over, and then this big ploof of smoke, and then all kinds of pieces of paper um, floating in the air. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what were you thinking at that time? Obviously, that's not something you're expecting to, to see, but what, what did you think it was at that time? So being a Canadian, I didn't think it was terrorism at all. And, you know, as we were going through those moments, the news reports came on and said a light aircraft had gone off course and accidentally had crashed into the World Trade Center. We ran over to the window to see. It was tough. It was, um, there was a big hole in the side of the building and there was fire all around. And then there were people in the windows um, just looking and panicked and um, yeah. so um, it was tough and then I went back to my desk and they kept telling us over the PA system that um, everything was okay building two which the building I was in was secure please go back to your desks a lot of my colleagues had left um, and I think that they left because they were there during the 93 bombing when the bomb went off in 93. So they had left and I was on my phone and I was getting all kinds of calls from clients, from my bank friends and asking me what was going on. But I didn't know, right? Like we were in the middle of it and everybody's watching it from outside. So I was on the phone there with a good friend of mine and um, he was uh, a university pal and he was a trader here in toronto he was a bond trader and he called me and he just started screaming at me to get out of the building he said get out of there get the hell out of there now and so mm. i um 
called Mary, my wife, and I told her that I was leaving and that I would call her when I got downstairs. So I grabbed a colleague of mine, Mike, and um, we started to make our way towards the stairwell to the elevator bank. And uh, as we were just leaving the trading room, uh, the plane hit our building. So uh, the wing, it went in on an angle from 78 to 85. And the- uh, You're on 84. Yes, so the wing sliced right through the trading room. Oh, where you just were before. Yeah, I was just like, you know, 30 seconds away. Mm-hmm. I was just walking towards the elevator banks. So uh, we got knocked flying and then all the ceiling tiles and everything fell down on us and debris from up above. So I... Um, were you still on the phone to your to your friend, your uni pal? Or were you- no, I, I hung up with him and that's when I got my friend Mike and we left. We were leaving the trading room when the plane hit. So um, I had called my wife mm-hmm. and said, I'm leaving. I'll call you when I get downstairs. And then when the plane hit, we were just in the hallway going towards the elevators. And um, we got knocked flying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was tough. And um, we didn't know what to do. There were some people in... It was a bit of a cross section, people walking all towards the elevator banks. So I was with a few colleagues and we, this, we couldn't get in the elevators because they were shut down. So we went down the, in through the stairwell. As we mm-hmm. started to go down, we met some people coming up. We met this lady who was being carried by a few men. And um, she said, she, we, we couldn't go down there. There was too much flame and fire down below and we would have to go up at that point um i heard a colleague of mine and he asked me to get for some help we heard a man trapped behind a wall so we were trying to help him started helping him but the smoke was so intense that i you know i had trouble breathing so i backed off and i started to climb the stairs with um, my other colleagues so you're climbing up in an effort to get down because there's flames below yeah so the the way the plane hit it impacted from the 78th to the 85th floor Mm. so all the stairwells below were burning with jet fuel Mm. and it was just rising so um we started to climb and I guess we got to about the 91st floor and realized that we couldn't get out because all the, all the floors are locked, especially in a high rise for security reasons so that people mm. can't get from one floor to the other. So at that point, you know, I really started to panic and we started to head back down. I guess we got to about the 84th floor again and the smoke was really thick and heavy you know i told the people i was with to try to get below the hot choking smoke and just Mm -hmm. to lie down and so that's what we started to do and then um, well people were lying down and you know they were going to sleep just people were Mm -hmm. being overcome with the smoke like i was and um and then someone called me you know and 
I always say to people, I don't know if you believe in a higher being, but somebody definitely called me. And so, um, and what did they, what, what did they say? Or what did you, what did you hear? Like when you say someone called you, what was, what can you take us into that for, for a well, moment? I believe, you know, it was a higher being God or whatever. And basically invited me to come this way. You know, I was in a bit of a daze, I think. And I followed the voice and it led me um, right to the thickest part of the smoke. And then in the last ditch effort for air, I pulled back. I grabbed a piece of drywall. I don't know if you know what drywall is or I pulled that back and um, I saw the stairwell down below. So I slid down on the drywall and then I ran down three flights of stairs that were on fire. Um, And then, yeah. So you heard a voice telling you to follow it and that led you directly to the flames. Yeah. Ended up being the way through. And, you know, I didn't know. I just, I saw the clear stairwell and I Mm -hmm. slid down. Like I pulled the drywall back and I saw the stairwell and I slid down that. Mm -hmm. And then I just ran down three flights of stairs that were on fire. And then I just kept running and running and running. And I guess I got to about the 40th floor or whatever. And I saw three firefighters coming up and I had explained to them that I was having trouble breathing. And, um, you know, I didn't know how badly I'd been burnt, but, um, they told, they looked at me quickly and they said, go down below, um, down there, you'll get some help. So I continued to run down all the flights of stairs. But you were in the, 40th floor by that point when you saw the the firefighters and you ran down another 40 40 flights of stairs before finally exiting World Trade Center. Yeah, sorry. I ran down the last 40 flights of stairs and then I came out in the concourse area facing the courtyard between the two buildings. And there, there was a security guard. She wouldn't let me get out, go outside just because of the um, debris. And it was a bit of a war zone, right? So they made us go um, through the concourse area, down through underneath to get out in an area that was clear of the falling debris. So it was a bit of a path system down there, an underground concourse. So I continued down the escalator and then I started walking towards the exit and I ran into another colleague of mine. He was a sweet, jovial man and on the best of days he had trouble walking, but he was down there and he was walking towards the exit as well. That's when, you know, we heard the noise. Um, I looked to my right and, um, I saw a giant fireball coming at us. And so I said to John, I just yelled to John, run. And I ran as fast as I could. I woke up three days later in the hospital. So, so Ron, that the noise was the, the building. Yeah, the building was imploding. It was all the floors were pancaking and just like hitting each other. And 
as it was compressing, there was a fireball that came towards us. And I mean, that's one of the, the, the main images, I guess, that I have in my mind when I think about the attack is seeing that image of the, the building just collapsing in on itself. I cannot even imagine being at, at the foot of that. And so three, three days later, you wake up in, in hospital. What was that moment like for you? To be quite honest, you know, my wife, Mary, had a tougher time than me. I, I didn't know what had gone on for a very long time, right? So I had burns all over my body. Um, I had a broken bone in my back, laceration to my head here, and um, my contact lenses were melted to my eyes. But, you know, I was alive and I didn't even know what was going on. I... Um, yeah, I just, um, I was just, you know, sedated quite heavily with my burns and stuff. And then mm-hmm. I guess about the fourth or fifth day, I, you know, had asked Mary what had happened. And, uh, you know, she told me at that mm-hmm. point that the building came down. I lost my, one of my closest friends there. And um, his wife came to the hospital looking for him. You know, I asked her how he was. and. She just patted me on the arm and said, he's fine, Ronnie, he's fine. But he didn't make it. Ron, that's, you know, for us sitting here and, you know, we've spent the last, we've spent the last few months not having our usual social freedoms. And I'm just struck with this, this sense of, of perspective mm. on what, the world we live in and what we do have. And to, to go through an experience like that, I can only imagine that that is, it's changed you and how you see the world. Mm. I would love to kind of um, hear your thoughts on having lived through one of the most traumatic experiences in modern history. How did that change how you, you see the world? So through that and, um, you know, losing, we lost our nephew to cancer just shy of his 12th birthday. Um, and I look and I look at the world now and there's not a lot that I could have done during that time. It was, you know, and it was unprecedented times back then during 9-11. And um, it just, it was a long struggle for a very long time. Mm-hmm. People were quite generous and gracious and helping everybody. And you saw the good in the world, which was nice, everybody reaching out and trying to be supportive and stuff like that. But I really struggled that why I survived and so many others did not. It took me a while. Um, and then I started, I guess, becoming, I've always been a spiritual person, but I just became more attuned to what was going on around me. And I was lucky, right? I was just, I was blessed. I was fortunate. I was lucky, whatever it was. And I, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to see people initially just because I got out and a lot of my colleagues didn't, right? So for their spouses or partners to see me, it was a bit sore for them, right? And I just didn't want people to see me. Um, and then talking to friends and stuff, I was, they were always like, well, you need to tell your story. You need to tell people what happened. Mm-hmm. And they need to know. And what I did is, 
you know, I started to reflect in on myself and I guess becoming more resilient on what, what could I do to make things better for others. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and like what's happening now in our world, things are not good for a lot of people and it's challenging times, but on the whole, we're going to be, it's going to get better and we are going to be better and become more resilient through this, right? If you see now what, you know, your social distancing or physically distancing, but, you know, what can you do? Having Zoom calls or Skype calls or Google chats just to be connected with people is important and to listen to people and to hear people and to talk to people. It's important. And I think what you end up doing is, you know, I talk about it now. I do a little talk on called the resiliency framework and help people to understand from the tragedy that I had from the post-traumatic stress disorder, as I was labeled from many psychologists and psychiatrists to, you know, post-traumatic growth, how I've been able to flourish through this, right? So um, if I can change the life of somebody and make them look in a more positive aspect of things, we're all going to have challenges in our lives and we're all going to have, you know, hiccups along the way. And I was just talking to somebody earlier today and I just said, everybody thinks their life is going to be a positive trajectory and it may not be all that right. But with those downs, you will, you realize and you gain some perspective on what those downs mean and how you get yourself back up. And the two of you being athletes, I'm sure you've had your challenges as well along the way, right? And all of that is building resilience in yourselves and understanding, understanding your body, your makeup, everything that's around your surroundings and what you can do to make a positive impact or a change to help others going forward, as well as yourself, right? Do you have to dig a bit deeper to work harder to excel in your athletics? Do you have to Mm. dig a bit deeper at work to excel at work, right? And if you think about a company, like our company, we lost 61 employees in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, a fifth of our company decimated. And we didn't have an infrastructure after that. Our building was gone. And what do Mm -hmm. we do? You know, what does a company do? And they got some space from somebody and they set up a new facility the next week. But then you have to deal with the emotional toll and the mental strain on people having to go back who wanted to go back to work during that time, right? In a terrorist time. And even now, who wants to go back into an office tower in one of the big towers in Sydney when, you know, COVID is still running around? So it's challenging for everybody, but I, I, the way I look at it is that, you know, be careful, learn from it, practice something better, you know, safer and healthier, but we can't avoid destiny, right? Like, and if you were to get sick, there's not a lot we could do about that, right? I'm not saying be irresponsible and go out and sit on the beach and party and stuff like that. But yeah. just you have to understand now. And I don't know if I'm making complete sense, but I just think that we need to look. Yeah. I just think we need to accept where we're at and be responsible in what we're doing. Learn from what's happened and move forward. 
Wow. That's gold. That's gold. And Ron, there's one thing that I want to make sure that we double click on for our audience. You mentioned post-traumatic growth. You said you'd been labeled by lots of psychologists with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And then you say about post-traumatic growth. Are you able to just help us to understand what post-traumatic growth means and what it is for you? Well, for me, it's like the journey is adapting well when something bad happens, right? So getting from the journey of the, the traumatic event and how you adapt and take it as, and I don't want to use the word as a positive, but learn from that horrific event. And there's a lot of stuff that I look through in there. It's like I didn't create that situation that caused me that, mm. right? I, I only had, you know, I was involved in it. I went to war. I lost a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues. But in talking to some of their spouses too, they don't want me to, you know, continue with my survivor's guilt. I do have that. But, they, you know, people are telling me that I need to tell my story and let people know that, mm. Yes, you're going to have some challenges on the way. And so if I can make things better for other people and, you know, enjoy meeting some incredible people and help them along in their journey, then I believe that's the growth part of it rather than I could sit there and, you know, become depressed and, and yeah. not function anymore. But if I can get out there and tell the story to people and show them that, yes, there's going to be challenges along the way, but you're going to get through it. And we will, like, especially during this unprecedented time, then that's the growth. In psychology, and you and I obviously met um, through positive psychology at a conference, but so much of psychology and, and flourishing in life is about integration. It's about integrating your experiences in a way that move you forward, help you and help you grow as a, as a person and help you to, um, deepen your sense of um, purpose and and um, and have greater clarity on who you are and as sort of integrating that experience and, and the various emotions and, and challenges that have come after that has integrating those into a purpose helped you um, move forward yeah I and I use this thing I was telling a friend as I was writing this resiliency framework is the idea is to get fat and the fat is the FAT and it's flexible in our thinking and understanding what went on accurate in our thinking, the A, right? Make sure exactly that you know, and then thorough to understand, completely understand. So mm -hmm. it, it gets you from a challenge that you had into flourishing, whether it's within a work environment or a personal journey, you know, to get from your challenge to flourishing. And that's part of the growth. I love that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's so obvious, Ron, that you are flourishing. And yeah, we're so grateful for you sharing your, your story and I guess your key, key learnings and, and the journey that I guess you're still on. Yeah, I'd love to, to hear you more about your resiliency framework as well. Sure. Um, did, you, yeah. did you share? Did you share? Get to share to various audiences through that. So I've just developed it, and um, 
you know, and I think now is probably a good time and just to let people understand where, you know, what happened to me, what happened to our company and let them understand that things, you know, yes, there's going to be challenges. And if you think about your workforce, for example, like how many people are being laid off because of the, what's happening with COVID, you know, and what do you do about that? And I just think, you know, if you set up a plan for them to understand, and that's where the, the fatness comes in and the flexibility and understanding. <laughs> I love it. But yeah. no, I just, you know, I, and I like, I just think if you can get them from the trauma that they're experiencing now, to let them understand that, you know, like if you think I was just everywhere you go now, there's just so much doom and gloom about what's happening with the economy and stuff. But, you know, what's this COVID doing? It's maybe it's giving us a reset, allowing us to spend more time with our families, allowing us to see the world a little bit better. And, you know, yes, there is a lot of death, but, um, you know, I, I think we're allow, allowing ourselves to focus more internally and understand what's going on, um, which I think is very important for us, right? And let us get a better perspective on the world out there. Um, what, you know, what are your needs during this time? If you're a shopaholic, do you need to shop or you weren't allowed to go to the department stores and shop because they were closed. So what did you do, right? You, and like people, the big craze up here is sourdough bread, right? Everybody's making sourdough bread, but it's kind of fun. It is, it's just, everybody's turning, you know, people are hoarding flour and stuff, but it's kind of neat to see, like, because you couldn't go out and order food out. People were making their own things, yeah. posting about it. That's kind of sweet, you know? Like my, my wife laughs. It's like, okay, enough of the sourdough. But it's like people are becoming <laughs> genius, you know, on what they're doing and how they're getting through their days, right? And, you know, and like Eloise, you with your young children now, to be with them 24-7, 24-7 and no reprieve, that is very challenging, right? You know, and it's not that you wouldn't choose to do that, but... It's not like you can, you and your husband or whatever can go for dinner, right? And leave the kids for an afternoon because you can't do that. The restaurants aren't open and stuff. So it's quite challenging for all of us. And all it's doing is building resiliency. And it's like, wow, this is challenging, but we're getting through it. And just think about what's going to happen as things open up. It's going to be much better and much more exciting, right? So Yeah. And, and that's so true. I mean, my husband and I have already had conversations around this time and, and what we can glean from this time and, you know, what things that we'd like to keep that we've had to adapt um, mm -hmm. and we've been forced to adapt during this time, but what things we'd like to keep in terms of, you know, our family routines and the positive things that have come out of this and you know there's obviously plenty of negative things and you can focus on the doom and gloom he's he's an intensive care nurse so there's you know he has every right to focus on the doom and gloom but sure. um you know i think it's as you say it's so important just to to, to look at all of the things that you know have been have forced us to build resilience mm -hmm. 
And we can't, you know, like, I'm sorry for his challenges, but I, the way I look at things too is that we do not know how long we're going to be here. You could mm. be here for another day or you could be here for another hundred years, right? We must make the best out of every day that we have, right? And Ron, that's a perfect segue into um, my final question before we get to Rory's rap. And that is like, what do you hope for people like if, if if we knew what you knew about the world and about um if we could see through your lens what would you hope for people Whew, what would i hope for people i just mm. i've been blessed or fortunate to get another 18 more years of life now and i just want people to know that things are going to be okay and you know, yes, you're going to have hiccups and challenges, and sometimes they think it's going to be unbearable for you, but things will always get rosier, right? Things will always get rosier, and I, I truly believe that, and to get one more day on this earth is a bonus for us all, right? I don't know. I, 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 that's a tough question, but I just, you know, I wish everybody, like I wish everybody much joy and happiness and learn from what's ever happened to us right and mm. gain gain perspective and um you know hope things are end up better for all of us ron uh, we could talk to you for hours and i want to be um, respectful of your time and so are you ready for rory's rap yes sir so ron firstly you know we so appreciate the um authenticity with which you share you know when we hear you share your experience of unimaginable um trauma you you're willing to go there like you're willing to actually go back into those um, feelings and, and images and and i think your your ability to actually face those emotions and those um, thoughts that would come with that is a really powerful starting point through which to actually integrate those experiences into your understanding of who you are and, and into your life going forward and knowing you and, and hearing what you've, you've shared you, you know, you're the second chance at life that you've, you've had over the last 18 years, it's not lost on you. And I think you really exemplify what it means to live with gratitude and appreciation that today is a new day and we're blessed. And it's, you know, it's a gift to have this experience. You know, I feel like it, it, you're such an example of being in the present moment, not taking things for granted and, and really, living with um with gratitude and from there you know it, it sounds like you've integrated your experiences into a deepened sense of purpose in life and and for you that that purpose looks like being kind <laughs> it looks like being hope to others and and helping other people be lifted up and to see what's possible for them and to have more hope for tomorrow and more gratitude for today and the way that you care for people, the way that everything that you do is about others um, is, is not lost on us as um, an exemplar for what it means to really live as the fullness of who you are. And 
I just want to say thank you for, for going there and for sharing with us. I feel blessed to have met you and come to know you and I'm encouraged and we're, I think our hope for our audience is that they too are encouraged to have a re- renewed perspective on who they are and on what it means to be alive and what it, what tomorrow can be regardless of the challenges of today or yesterday, what is actually possible that, you know, Ron, you, um, you really show us that with hope that things can get better. And by putting your eyes on those possibilities and, and keeping moving forward, that no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you're experiencing right now, it can get better and there's hope for a better tomorrow. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you both. And you know, I, if I can help people in any way, it's a bonus and to meet people like you, right? It's just, it's been awesome these last four years and getting to connect with you and to, it's a bonus for me really. So thank you folks. Eloise, great to meet you. And great to meet you, Ron. maybe our paths will cross again at some point. I hope so. Okay. We appreciate you, Ron. Thank okay. you. Thanks. And be well. um, let's save this recording, eh? Okay. <laughs>